Hello everyone, I am currently homesick. I don't know if you can hear that I sound a little different, but that's where we're at. So I thought, now's the time to make a podcast. My dogs are asleep. Benny's actually snuggling me, so he is here in spirit, and I thought, let's get started and make an episode. So today I'm talking about the disappearance of Nicole Morin. Um, She was born April 1st, 1976 in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and she disappeared at the age of eight on July 30th, 1985 in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. As of today, um, October 10th, 2023, she has been missing for 38 years, two months, and nine days. Um, So it has been a very long time since Nicole went missing. I thought I would talk about this case because last year there was actually some renewed interest in this case, so it seemed like a good time to talk about Nicole. Um, Like I said, she was born on April 1st, 1977, and she was the only child of Arthur and Jeanette Morin, who had been married for 12 years. She had brown hair and brown eyes, and at the time of her disappearance, she was four foot tall and weighed 51 pounds. Um, She lived with her mom when she went missing, and her father lived in Missaagua. So the morning of Nicole's disappearance, um, she went down to the lobby of her building to pick up the mail at around 10.30, and she returned to her apartment. Um, She was about to get ready to go swimming with a friend. They had a pool that was located at the rear of their building complex, and that's where she liked to swim with her friend whenever it was nice out. Um, She did speak to her friend on the intercom and said that she would meet her in the lobby shortly. She put on her peach-colored one-piece swimsuit, a green hairband, and red canvas shoes, and she carried her plastic bag that contained a t-shirt, green and white shorts, suntan lotion, a hairbrush, a peach-colored blanket, and a purple beach towel. So she was ready to go swimming with her friend, um, and she was going to go meet her in the lobby, like I said. So she never made it to the lobby to meet her friend, Um, 15 minutes after she told her friend she was going to meet her there, her friend buzzed the apartment to ask why Nicole had not met her yet. She was curious because she said she'd be down shortly and she hadn't seen her. Nicole's mother, Jeanette, um, had no idea. She thought she had gone to the pool by herself or was playing with the other children at the rear of the complex and she did not report Nicole missing until about 3 o'clock that afternoon. So, once Nicole's mother reported her missing, the police investigation began. They came to the apartment building and searched and canvassed all of the apartments in the complex. They set up roadblocks around the building and circulated vehicles with public address systems to alert the neighborhood residents to the missing child's description. They knocked on every single door of the apartment complex, which had 419 units, They entered the apartments even if no one answered the door to check to make sure she wasn't in there. Um, A woman in the building did identify Nicole from a photograph, and she said that she did see Nicole get on the elevator and go to the lobby, but after that, there was no indication of where she went. So, according to one person, they did see her get on the lobby or get on the elevator to go to the lobby. But she wasn't sure what happened 
after that, which, and who knows if it could be the first time she went or the second time when she was supposed to meet her friend. So the next day, additional police was brought in, and they also brought in police on horse, marine units, helicopters, and police on foot. They decided to canvas and comb over everything. They went near the area of Highway 27, which was in the vicinity of the apartment building. They also brought in tracking dogs to explore the building, to explore the garages, utility rooms, storage units, and the pump rooms. Um, they also spoke to another neighbor who recalled seeing a unidentified blonde woman with a notebook on the floor of Nicole's apartment um, where Nicole's apartment was located about 45 minutes before she disappeared. They never identified who the woman was and nobody ever came forward claiming to be that woman. So they never, to this day, still don't know who that woman was supposed to be. Um, more than 900 neighborhood residents joined the search for Nicole. They also had the Toronto Crime Stoppers organization to look at Nicole's disappearance as its first ever significant case. They posted a reward for $1,000. They printed posters, produced a video reenactment of Nicole's last known movements. They also aired that on television for weeks to see if anybody recognized Nicole. The Toronto Star printed 6,000 copies of the poster showing Nicole's picture and the phone number of the Metro Toronto Police, which they distributed all around everywhere they could possibly think of. They also printed 3,000 copies of watercolor sketch of Nicole that was commissioned by the police department and distributed to police departments, post office, and local stores. So they were definitely... On the case, when it came to Nicole, they were determined to find her, to figure out what happened to her. They knew they needed to find her, and they wanted to find her safe, and they wanted to make sure they had answers for her mother. So, um, Nicole's search ended up being the biggest investigation in the history for the Toronto Police Department. They formed a 20-member task force which remained active for nine months, which in a missing persons case is actually a pretty long time, um, especially when you really don't have anything to go on. They invested over 25,000 man hours following up every single lead that they got in. And by November, they had questioned about 6,000 individuals, including hundreds of sex offenders that were in the vicinity of the apartment. The investigation for the first year cost an estimated $1.8 million, and the police also offered $100,000 for Nicole's safe return, which right now, in 2023, that reward is still applicable today. Um, they were not going to give up anything on finding her. Um, they did find an unexplained note in the apartment, um, all it said was, I'm going to disappear. It was written in pencil, and people were like, what in the world? That doesn't make any sense, and that is also terrifying. There was nothing else, nothing else. Um, 
Art Morin, which was Nicole's father, Arthur, raised funds to hire a private investigator, even though the police said they didn't think that that was a good idea. He left his job. He set up an office and searched for clues for his daughter in Canada and the United States. He did move back in with Nicole's mother, Jeanette, um, but they permanently separated in 1977, excuse me, Jeanette also talked to a psychic in her own efforts to locate her daughter. They were going to do whatever they could, no matter if the police said it was a good idea or not, basically. Uh, in 2004, researchers for a Belgian uh, organization known as the Foundation Princesses de Croix et Massimo Lancelotti, I 100% butchered that, and I am so sorry, announced that they had tentatively matched photos of Nicole um, with pictures on a Dutch website for sexually abused children. They used biometrical analysis and claimed that there was a strong, strong resemblance between Nicole and a child in the network in Zandvoort, um, but they never found any evidence to support that claim or... They never found that child that they were claiming that was Nicole. So there was also a time when searching for Nicole, they turned their attention to Etbicoke Park. I have no idea. I, that's probably pronounced severely wrong as well. Because there was a woman that claimed to have seen Nicole with a man that she knew at that park. Um, but there was never anything that came out of that either. Basically, anything that they had for a lead fell through, no matter what it was. Um, currently, they still consider this case to be a cold case, but they do keep an eye on it in effort to garner fresh leads. Um, they still put out video reenactments of Nicole S. movements, including a 2007 reenactment um, for GTA's Most Wanted, and for the 29th anniversary of her disappearance in 2014, they released a reenactment um, that was screened at convenience stores and uh, units through Ontario. For the 30th anniversary in 2015, police organized a 5K run called Nicole's Run at Cent Centennial Park, um, they had a candlelight vigil, and they wanted to raise awareness for the case. They also collected $3,000 in donation for the Canadian Center for Child Protection, which operates um, basically all efforts for missing children. In 2019, they released uh, aged-enhanced pictures of Nicole, showing what she might look like in her early 40s. And in 2001, the True Crime Stoppers put out an age-enhanced uh, photograph because they wanted to see if anybody had found her or know her or anything of that nature. But they always want to keep Nicole's name in the public. Like I said, even though this is a cold case, they are very much still involved in trying to locate what happened to Nicole. Um, Nicole's mother sadly passed away in 2007 and her father is still alive um but the crazy thing which i mentioned earlier in 2022 they had some kind of hit 
um, for Nicole using cadaver dogs. So they there's a place called Please Bring Me Home in Canada. It was a Canada-wide volunteer organization that investigates missing person cases, cold cases, and they use tips from the general public to see what they can find. So in 2022, it is in July, they um, went to an undisclosed park in Toronto's West End looking for traces of Nicole. Two cadaver dogs from the Black Tracks Canine Corporation were part of the search with their handlers, and they also had PBMH investigators. The initial search covered about 45% of the park, and the cadaver dogs got a hit when it indicated they were detecting a scent of human remains. The area the dogs hit was really hard to get to because it was in really dense foliage, so they couldn't see back there. Um, what it meant was that it wasn't clear yet on if they had found Nicole. It said they were going to come back in the next few weeks to verify the spots and then cover the remainder of the park. Um, but there was nothing said about it since. I tried to find if they found anyone. I tried to find if they found her. Nothing. So I'm assuming that that did not provide any information on Nicole, um, which was sad because they thought that they were getting close to actually finding answers. So on the 30th anniversary of Nicole's disappearance, um, City News spoke with Nicole's father, and he said, while there's absolutely nothing, you have to keep your hopes up that, that one day you'll find out. You'll find out one day. He said that he imagines anybody that works on the case would like to see the case closed as well. Um, basically, everybody is continuing to try to find out what happened to Nicole. Um, one of the officers said that there are several reasons why people go missing. It's just a matter of looking into these cases, updating them to the standards of now, and utilizing techniques that we now have to find these people. He said some are just living in different parts of the world. Others are missing, and that's our goal, is to find these people. So, basically... Even though the case is cold, they're not giving up on what happened to Nicole. They have no interest in giving up, no want to give up, and they are determined to find out what happened to Nicole Morin. A lot of people think that Nicole was taken in the building. They think that um, anywhere from it could have been one of the residents to one of the parents that actually had their child in a daycare that Jeanette was running. There are many 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 different theories out there on the internet um it's also crazy that they searched every single room and found absolutely nothing but i guess while they're searching the rooms whoever took her if they did take her could have easily gotten away without being seen before especially since nicole was not reported missing until three o'clock um, but like I said, a lot of people think that it was someone in the building, um, like a neighbor that somebody knew or something like that. Um, but basically it wasn't anyone that she was scared of, which at the time could have been a good thing. But of course, since we don't know what happened to her, it most likely was not a good thing. Unfortunately, Nicole probably did trust the person that she went with, a lot of people think. And it's terrifying to think what could have happened to her after the fact. So as of 2023, Nicole is still missing. 
and they are still hoping to find her. Um, really, no matter what the answers are, they just want answers, especially since her father is still alive. They know that he deserves to have answers as well. So, of course, if you have any information on Nicole's case, please do not hesitate to contact the authorities. Um, they will always get the case to the right people. You can also contact the True Crime Stoppers in Canada. It's really mostly what you are comfortable with. But that is the disappearance of Nicole Morin. Hopefully this is a case that does get resolved no matter what the outcome is because, like I said, knowing that her father is still alive, he does deserve to have answers on what happened to her. So as always, we thank you for listening. Um, please follow us on social media. We also have a Patreon um, that will all be linked in the description. And we will scare you later. Mm -hmm.